Our text this morning, as we hear from the living God and His Word, is Galatians 3, verses 10 to 14. Welcome to all of you. Those of you joining us just this week, there are several in the room joining us just this week. This is now our fourth sermon in chapter 3 of Galatians. So those of you who've been here through all of this, you know we've been covering a lot of ground, if not a lot of verses, in the last three sermons. And for those of you just joining us this morning, I always feel like perhaps I should say these are challenging sermons. And uh, I'm amazed you come back. I'm, uh, I'm quite moved, actually, by the fact that you do come back. And I pray for you every week. I pray for you every week as I study and as I write. I'm praying for the progress and joy in your faith. Remember that from Philippians? Progress and joy. Please, Lord, let there be joy. Even today, thinking about Jesus, thinking about the Spirit. Dear Lord, progress and joy in the faith for everyone here. Whatever their circumstances of life, whatever struggles, whatever place they're at in understanding and in trusting you, I do pray for you. I'm glad you're here. It's no accident. The Lord's at work. And you have the Bibles there, I trust. You'll need them. You'll need them. So if you don't have one, there are plenty on the middle of the table, so let people know. I'd like you to have one. You'll want them today. Galatians 3, you remember what's happening. Paul's turn now in Galatians to the Galatians themselves in chapter 3, verse 1, if you're looking there, and then look at verse 2. Chapter 3, let me ask you, Galatians, only this, he says, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? There are some putting pressure on you to be circumcised according to the law, saying that that is how you know you're part of God's people who will be delivered in the end. Paul says, I have one question for you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And that is the key question in terms of the structure thus far of chapter 3, right? For reasons Paul hasn't spelled out explicitly yet, but will today, the main thing is that the Galatians have the Spirit. Right? Did you receive the Spirit by, and then there's two options, not whether or not they received the Spirit, how? Two options, not that they're both actual options. It's a rhetorical question. But Paul sets it up as two options, and we get it again in verse 5. Look at verse 5 of chapter 3. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? 
And so to drive home his point, Paul then runs with the right answer to his rhetorical question, right? That the Galatians have the Spirit by the hearing of faith, of course. And that means, what? That means that they're just like Abraham, right? Verse 6, just as Abraham believed, he had faith in God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham had the hearing of faith, and the Galatians have the hearing of faith. And that's a big deal, right? Because the whole circumcision thing started with Abraham. So verses 7 to 9 are all about that. And the conclusions there in verse 9, this is me trying to bring those of you who haven't been here the last three weeks into what we're doing, okay? The conclusions there in verse 9, so then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith, which is why last week, all we did was look at the life of Abraham, right? 45 minutes, I'm sorry, it was 45 minutes looking at the life of Abraham just to answer this question. What is faith? What is faith, right? And I'll try and bring some of that back in because faith is everything here. Because you, 21st century Gentile Jesus follower in Toronto, you are justified by faith. And Abraham was justified by faith. And Sarah was justified by faith, and Isaac was justified by faith, and Jacob, and on and on, and all who will be in the spiritual line of the seed of the woman, right? Remember from Genesis 3 we talked about last week. So we talked about faith. So now verse 10. Starting our passage today, Paul takes on the other route. The wrong answer. Remember, did you receive the Spirit, he had asked, by works of the law? Verse 2 asked, no, you didn't. And here's why. Verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Here's how verses 10 to 14 hang together. The overall structure is not complicated. Here's how 10 to 14 hang together. Verses 10 to 12 present the problem. Verses 10 to 12 present the problem, and verses 13 and 14 present the solution. Problem, solution. Verses 10 to 12 are why the Galatians didn't receive the Spirit by works of the law. And why Abraham didn't, and why Sarah didn't, and why Isaac didn't, and why no one ever did in all the history of God's people. And then verses 13 and 14, being the solution to the problem, bring us back to how the Galatians did receive the Spirit. Yes? Because where does verse 14 end? Look at it. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So, 
whatever's going to happen in the next 20 minutes, I've got to get back to the spirit by the end, right? How do I get back to the spirit? Boy, by this part of Galatians, those of you who've been with us, you already know how we're going to get back to the spirit, right? You know how I'm going to do that because I've been saying it nearly every Sunday for months now. You can't have the spirit without the cross, right? Because it's the cross plus the spirit. There's never one without the other in our lives. We've seen it a dozen times or more in Galatians already. You probably woke up saying, I know at least one thing that he's going to say in the sermon today. Because <laughs> I say it every week. That's good. You'll never forget it. I don't want you to ever forget it. It's the cross plus the Spirit. Okay, but, so that's where we're going to get to, but what's the problem? Verses 10 to 12 are about the problem. It's right there in 10a. Problem is, there's a curse. Verse 9 said, those who are of faith are blessed. Verse 10 says, all who are of works of the law are under a curse. So now here, here's the question that's going to take up most of the rest of our time now in the sermon, actually. What's the curse? What is that? What does Paul mean? when he says all who rely on works of the law are under a curse because the solution has to address the problem, right? And the solution's clear, verse 13, Christ, Messiah, redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree. There's Paul talking about the cross. Well, brothers and sisters, I want you to see what the cross is for this morning. And it's there in verse 13, but verse 13 assumes you know what the curse is, right? Christ redeemed us from the curse. What is the curse of the law? Well, have you read Deuteronomy lately? Show of hands? No, no. Have you read Deuteronomy lately? Because that's where we find the answer. Look at verse 10 again of Galatians 3. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For, here comes the reason why that is so. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. In other words, we don't have to guess what the curse of the law is. It's written down. Did you realize that? So, we start now with what Paul quotes here, which is Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 26. And I want you to go there, and here I have blanks on my sermon because I was supposed to come in and write the page numbers down, and I failed. So, people, what is it? 97. 97 for microprint Bibles, and then the large print Bibles are page 187. Okay, so 97 if you can see really well, and then 187 if you have the large print. Or you have your own Bible. You don't have to go to the one there. 
Deuteronomy 27. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible. The first five books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch, five. This is book five. Deuteronomy is last in this sequence of the first five books of the Bible because it comes right before the conquest of the land under Joshua. Right? And the bulk of Deuteronomy, basically chapters 1 to 30, is the speech of Moses to Israel in the plains of Moab at the end of the 40-year wilderness period, right? So I know I'm assuming you have some basic grasp of the sequencing, but this is before they start their move into the promised land, right? So it's sort of a new beginning point again for Israel. And a lot of Deuteronomy is the preaching of the original law that was given to Israel at Sinai. That's why it's the Deuteronomos, the second law, right? It's the preaching again of much of the law to Israel right before they go into the promised land. Chapters 12 to 26 of Deuteronomy. Paul's quoting from chapter 27. We're going to look at it. Chapters 12 to 26 of Deuteronomy are the exposition of the statutes and the ordinances. And then follows this whole section of Deuteronomy that begins in chapter 27 and goes through, depends on how you break it, but goes through chapter 33 or so or something, depending on how you break this down. It's this section that's focused on, guess what? Blessings and curses. Blessings and curses. I mean, what's Paul talking about in Galatians 3? Blessings and curses. Not coincidentally. So look there at chapter 27 of Deuteronomy, verse 1. Now, Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people, saying, Keep the whole commandment that I command you today. And on the day you cross over the Jordan to the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall set up large stones and plaster them. And then here's this prescription of this ceremony that's to be conducted in which the whole people are involved here. They write the words of the law on this, and it's, they're involved in the acceptance of the Deuteronomic laws. So go to verse 9. Then Moses and the Levitical priests said to all Israel, Keep silence in here, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. Remember I said it's sort of like a new beginning point for Israel at this juncture. You shall therefore obey the voice of the Lord your God, keeping his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. Right? So that's the setting. Is that clear? And then the rest of chapter 27 is a series, just glance at it, is a series of 12 curses which the Levites are to recite to the people and to which the people are to say, Amen. You see that there, the 12 curses. And the 12th and final curse, the one Paul cites in Galatians 3 verse 10, though he also pulls in some language from chapter 29. He's in the mind the whole section here, but he's citing this one. Galatians 3, verse 10, the final verse there, is the most comprehensive one. It reads, verse 26, Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. And all the people shall say, Amen. So the main point's pretty clear, right? Not doing the law will result in curses. 
not doing the law, not going into the land and keeping covenant with the Lord their God, being unfaithful to, it'll result in curses. And what are they? Well, you see them in chapter 28. Just look ahead there. We're going to be in Deuteronomy a while, so enjoy it. Verses 1 to 14 of chapter 28. Verses 1 to 14 of chapter 28 are blessings for obedience, right? And verses 15 and following are curses for disobedience. And you can read them all later, but what ultimately will the curse be for the people of Israel? Well, it'll be exile. Right? Exile, verse 32. Chapter 28, Deuteronomy, verse 32. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people. Verse 36. The Lord will bring you and your king whom you set over you to a nation that neither you nor your fathers have known. And it's there again in verse 37, in 41, in 48, and 63. And just go now to verse 64. And the Lord will scatter you among all peoples from one end of the earth to the other, and there you shall serve other gods. What's the first commandment? I mean, you shall serve other gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your fathers have known. They're about to enter the promised land, right? And there it's clear as day. You don't keep the law. You will be plucked off the land that you're entering to take possession of it. You know what happens. Or at least I, maybe you don't, but you, sh you know what happens, assuming you've ever read the Old Testament. 722 BC, Northern Kingdom Falls. 586 B.C., the southern kingdom falls. Jerusalem's in ruins, and the exile's begun. The curses of Deuteronomy had befallen Israel. Why? Because they didn't keep the law. They didn't keep it. They weren't faithful to the Lord. Here is the core question. Why didn't they keep the law? Oh, this, this boy. Why didn't they keep the law? How you answer that will determine a whole lot about how the solution works, right? So don't answer too quickly. Why didn't they keep it? And when you do answer, try to keep Deuteronomy chapters 29 to 32 in view. Because Moses knows what the problem is. I mean, this might be a new beginning here in Deuteronomy. But nothing's really changed, has it? It's not as though, you know a little bit about this, it's not as though the people have been doing well so far, right? I mean, this all happens after 40 years in the wilderness because they hadn't trusted the promises of God for the future, right? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 2. 
29 verse 2. This is Moses speaking. You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt. Right? Exodus, there's the provisions of God in the past. <laughs> there's the provisions of God in the past. You know what happened. So why aren't you trusting God, Israelites? Verse 4, you've seen all that. But to this day, the Lord has not given you, watch what it is the Lord hasn't given them. To this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? They didn't trust the Lord at Sinai. Think golden calf, right? They didn't trust the Lord when they came to the promised land and refused to go in because they were afraid and they grumble and they say, would that we died in the land of Egypt. Or would that we died in this wilderness. They didn't have faith, you see. They weren't trusting in the promises of God for the future in response to the provisions of God in the past. What Abraham did? Why not? Really, why not? According to the text, it's not an easy answer, is it? But there it is, Deuteronomy 29, verse 4. To this day, the Lord has not given you ears to hear. He'd given Abraham ears to hear, hadn't he? And Sarah, and now Moses, and Joshua, and all through the Old Testament, some had ears to hear. Some trusted the Lord. They had faith. Perfectly? All the time? No. No. Remember from last week, it's a roller coaster of faith. But nonetheless, it is faith. There's a perseverance over time of trusting the Lord. But listen, under the Old Covenant... The people of God had the law, but only with some exceptions, with, with the ones that Paul and Romans would call the remnant. Romans 11, right? Only with some exceptions. What didn't they have? They didn't have a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. And it wasn't going to change anytime soon. Deuteronomy 31, verse 16. You're still there? Go to Deuteronomy 31, verse 16. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, Moses, you are about to lie down with your fathers. In other words, you're, 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 you're dead soon. Joshua will take over. The people will go into the land. But what will happen? What will happen? There it is. Then this people will rise and whore after the foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering. And they will forsake me and break my covenant. 
that I have made with them. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them and hide my face from them, and they will be devoured. Judgment, divine judgment, exile, curse of the law. And, you know, the rest of the Old Testament, I mean, even in spite of the fact that there was a partial return of the people at the end of the 6th century, it's clear, you read Ezra, you read Nehemiah, the curse of the law remained. I mean, Ezra chapter 9, they built this new temple again. It's not anything like the old one, but... In Ezra's confession he makes, in Ezra 9, what does he say? He said, the people haven't been restored from the condition of sin and guilt. This isn't the restoration you promised. Promised. What hope is there? What hope is there, friends? Well, as a matter of fact, I intentionally skipped over that part. It's there in Deuteronomy. What hope is there? It's there in chapter 30. Look there now. Deuteronomy 30, verse 1. This is why you woke up this morning. Moses is speaking. Deuteronomy 30, verse 1, And when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I've set before you, and you call them to mind, where? Among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, i.e., you're in exile. And you return to the Lord your God and your and your children, and obey his voice in all that I command you today with all your heart and with all your soul, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy on you. Skip to verse 8, Deuteronomy 30, verse 8, and you shall again obey the voice of the Lord and keep all his commandments that I command you today. Now verse 11, stay with me, for this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. Why? How can he say that? Neither is it far off. It's not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. How? How is that possible? Tell me, please, how that's possible. It's there in verse 6 of Deuteronomy 30. Go now to verse 6 of Deuteronomy 30. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. We've been here before in Galatians, haven't we? According to the Bible, how does the law end up in your heart? It's there, Christian. How? How does the Lord circumcise your heart? You know this. Do you believe this? The law ends up in your heart because the Holy Spirit writes it there. Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36, we've read those texts. It's the new covenant. Let me ask you only this, Paul says, did you receive the Spirit 
The Spirit who writes the law on your heart, who circumcises your heart, who makes you a new creation, did you receive that Spirit by works of the law? Or by the hearing of faith? Friends, the law didn't bring the Spirit. The law brought a curse. That's the problem. The law can't change your heart. Only the Lord can do that. Only the Lord can do that. Has he done that in your life? Cry out to him to do it now. Ask him to do it now. Turn from your sin. And the Lord will circumcise your heart, Moses says, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live, that you may live, live Okay, leave Deuteronomy now. Go back to Galatians 3. That you may live. Just look at verses 11 and 12. There's no time to develop much of anything else, is there? But look at it. That you may live, Moses says. It's about life. Here's verse 11 of Galatians 3. Now it is evident, duh, that no one is justified before God by the law. Right. The law didn't bring the Spirit. The law brought a curse. No one's justified by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. That's Habakkuk 2 verse 4. Note takers, that's Habakkuk 2 verse 4. It's the same as Abraham. You have to trust God's promises, you have to, which is what Habakkuk has to do in the midst of some really terrible stuff going on. And if you know that book, that, it's, uh, that he has to live. By faith in the midst of these circumstances. Read it next week. He has to have the presence of God. He has to trust the Lord. Here's verse 12 of Galatians 3. But the law is not of faith. Right. <laughs> the law didn't bring the Spirit. The law brought a curse. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. That's Leviticus 18 verse 5, note takers. Leviticus 18, verse 5. And it means what it says. You do it, and you live. Same as Deuteronomy 30. Okay, deep breath. As brothers and sisters, there's only one more step to take, and you're at the heart of the Bible. Only one more step to take and you're at the heart of the Bible. Ready? I'm glad you're here. What has to happen for it to be possible for us to avoid the curse of the law? What has to happen for it to be possible for us to live by faith? Or let me ask the same thing another way. What has to happen to make it possible for God to change your heart? To show up and invade your life like he did with Abraham. Fill you with his spirit. What has to happen 
for us to be freed from our hard-hearted condition of sin and guilt in which we can only meet cursing. What has to happen for the Lord to redeem his people from exile? There can only be one answer to that question. The Lord has to forgive your sin. And according to the Bible, to do that, to do that for all his people, for Abraham and Sarah and Moses and David, they're all saved the same way. Everybody in the Bible saved the same way. The Lord knows what's coming before Abraham has the first measure of faith. He knows what's coming. To do that, the Lord sends his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Messiah of Israel, has to die. This is the solution. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, this time in Deuteronomy 21, verse 23, for it is written, cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree. It's the cross, brothers and sisters. It's the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful cross. It was the sign of God's curse, yes, but whose curse was it that Jesus bore? Not his own. For he's not dead, but alive. He lives in the flesh with the very life of God that he's then able to give us. The resurrections, the divine stamp of approval on Jesus' life and his death on behalf of others, it's the gospel that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Or as 1 Peter 3.18 says it, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, that he might bring us to God. Or is it that he brings God to us? For what, according to Paul, in verse 14 of Galatians 3, end of sermon, what was the purpose of the cross? Why forgive the sins of his people? Why? So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. So that we, that's we, that's Paul and the Jews and everybody included. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Or in other words, it's the cross plus the Spirit. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. In the Son of God, who loved me 
and gave himself for me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.